Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast. I am your host, Maddie Wollner, a multiple business owner, life coach, busy mom of three, and curious student of life. This podcast is a place for inspired women to gather. Each week, I will share personal stories, quick inspo, strategies that you can implement right away, and engage in real conversations with badass women who have made the conscious decision to live a life on purpose, one that they have intentionally designed and that they now demand. No more allowing our lives to be defined by everyone else. No more putting ourselves on the back burner. No more living in a state of default and never going after our goals or our dreams. We are going to live our best lives on our terms. Living on purpose is our goal, and we're going to get after it starting right now. All right, ladies, this is the part of the show that I get to give you a big old virtual hug and thank you for reviewing the podcast, My Labor of Love. These ratings and reviews seriously mean the world to me. This comment comes from Advo Emmy. Emmy says, This podcast isn't your mother's podcast. Maddie gets into the real deal stuff when it comes to living on purpose in multiple areas of life. I love her interview style and how she highlights her skills as an awesome question asker that will inspire you to get into action. Hit the subscribe button now, sister. You won't regret it. Emmy, what would I do without you and your amazing words? Thank you so much for your support. And I would love to hear what you think of the show. Leave a review and I will give you a shout out on a future episode. Well, hello, Kinsey. Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast. I am so excited to talk to you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I've been waiting for it for the past two weeks. I know. I know. I can't wait to share everything that I've learned and to learn some more about what you practice. And we're going to get into talking about acupuncture specifically. But before we just dive in, can you introduce yourself uh, to the listeners? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you got going on personally, and what has you excited right now? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kinsey Youngquist, and I run an acupuncture practice in Burlington, Washington called Yoga. And so a little bit about my background. I went to Western. I had an undergrad in exercise science, exercise physiology, and I always wanted to go back to school for something else, but I was never really quite sure on what that was. And so I started entertaining the idea of going back to acupuncture school. And I think most, most of it was just a curiosity as far as I don't know what this is. How does it work? People do it, they get better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I knew nothing about acupuncture going into school. And so I just kind of jumped right in and did acupuncture school for three years. And so since then, I've been practicing here in Burlington, I used to um, be down in Everett for about three or four years. And there we practiced on the silver tips, the hockey team. And oh, fun. It was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We got to work on quite a bit of orthopedic stuff amongst other um, uh, conditions people were coming in for. Um, I bet they were pretty beat up. <laughs> that? I bet the hockey players were pretty beat up. Oh, I mean, yeah, to say the least. I mean, with yeah. it was so hard because you go to the games and you know what they're struggling with. Like, orthopedic wise and then you see him get in a fight and it's like no you know <laughs> totally totally <laughs> okay that would be some great practice though 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I learned a lot, but eventually what it boiled down to is I didn't want to do the commute anymore. And I didn't really see myself being down in Everett long-term. And so I made the decision to moved my practice up here full-time about a year ago, and it was a great decision. I mean, I'm, I now have a really short commute, and <laughs> um, I, I just really enjoy being up here, closer to friends and family. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. So you were practicing what when you were like, I want to go back to school. What were you doing before then? Um, so I have a license in massage therapy. And so when I decided to go back to school, I decided to kind of build up that business. Um, it was never anything that I wanted to do full time, but I was uh, working at a yoga studio teaching yoga and there's an opportunity to rent a massage space after school. So I'm like, well, I might as well build up this business. So when I go to school, they naturally kind of dovetail into one another um, as far as building up a massage practice and then switching over to acupuncture. And then let's face it, it's a tax write-off too, you know, for continuing it if you have your own business. So that was a little bit of the motivation behind that. Interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> but that's what I, got I, you into it. I mean, that, that's what, why you started your own business and now look at you. I mean, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I never really like had like a solid plan. This is where I want to be five years from now. I mean, I had an idea as far as the direction I wanted to head, but that's kind of what prompted you know, to go back to acupuncture school, because I, I certainly didn't want to do massage for the rest of my life. It's physical. and But you meet great people. I mean, I, I left out. I had a great clientele, and a lot of them still come in. That's awesome. Okay. So, so you said you just wanted to go back to school, and curiosity led you to acupuncture school. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm assuming you fell in love. I did. I mean, I... <laughs> I was a little naive going into it. I mean, I, I think personally, I thought that, oh, you're going to learn some points, what it helps with. Like, it, it wasn't anything like that. I mean, it's a whole other, like, way to look at the body and how it works. And it's Eastern medicine, which is, I mean, I had a similar background with Western medicine, you know, at least kind of at an introductory with uh, exercise physiology background, but then going into Eastern medicine, I, I tell people it's kind of like putting your head in a snow globe and like shaking up everything you know. And then when it settles, you just kind of look at things differently because it's a different way of viewing the body and how it works. Okay. So I love that analogy. So, so put us in the slow, snow globe right now. If you can <laughs> briefly take your three years, right? Uh, yeah. Explain what the difference is. Like what is the basic difference between Eastern and Western medicine? You know, there's a lot of different differences and there's a lot of similarities, but I would say one of the biggest differences is that Eastern medicine really takes into consideration the whole person. Um, it doesn't compartmentalize, uh, shoulder pain, just fix the shoulder. It looks at the whole body, the whole system. So the whole landscape, let's say kind of like a gardener would look at a garden, you know, if a, if a leaf is wilting, you don't just check the leaf, you check the soil, you check the environment, and you check everything around it that could be contributing to that. Well, the body is no different. It's, it's the study of a living system and how it interacts as a whole um, with the seasons, with temperature. And so it takes into consideration um, not only, you know, the part that's hurting, but like maybe the emotional component, maybe the dietary. And, and Western medicine certainly does the same, but they can kind of have a little bit to some extent, I mean, this is a broad statement, but they can have a little bit more of a look at the body like a mechanic looks at a car, you know, shoulder hurts, new shoulder, knee, you know, et cetera. 
Um, and so I kind of like that analogy because it, it you don't just treat the symptoms mm-hmm. in Chinese medicine. I mean, that's a big one. If the symptom is, is certainly causing pain, you need to get that down. But you want to treat the whole body and the whole person. So not just physical things, but emotional and other things that can cause the disharmonies in the body. So that's a big difference for me. And I always tell my patients, just treating a symptom is kind of like weeding a garden and just cutting the weed off at the surface. The root still manifests, the weed comes back. So you have to treat the underlying cause. And I love that Eastern medicine really emphasizes that. That is really so, so that's amazing. I love that as well. And I, I, it reminds me of when I started having, I had my first panic attack and my doctor prescribed, um, a counselor and I went into my therapist and I was like, just fix me. Right. Just give me homework. Tell me what to do. Just fix me. And he's like, Oh, sis, that's not how it works. Right. <laughs> like We go deep and we get to the underlying emotion that's probably the root that's causing all the stress. It wasn't just the panic attack. Here's medicine to no. fix you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we live in a society where everyone wants the quick fix and they don't want to do the hard work. And, you know, it's tough when you have patients come in that, that have that perspective, but I like, let's just call it educating people on look, I only see you for an hour out of the day. There's several hours in the day, week, month, you know, if I only see you once a month, once a week, what's more important is what we do on those other 23 hours of the day, you know, and, and what roadblocks we're putting in front of us for our healing, whether it's dietary, you know, lack of physical activity, um, stress, the list goes on, you know, Mm -hmm. so I try to encourage patients to kind of take that approach and evaluate their own lives in, and what obstacles that they're putting in their own way of their health and healing and well-being. And that's super empowering, right? Like it is because I'm, I'm not a wizard. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could kind of nudge the train back on the tracks, but I certainly can't make people do things for themselves. The hardest part about, you know, anything I'm sure with what you do and what, what a lot of people do in this type of industry. Absolutely. Right. We have a conversation for an hour and then the hard work happens after that. Yeah. Or the work. And maybe it doesn't have to be hard, but the work, right? Oh, absolutely. Talking about like the emotional side of it and, you know, for everybody listening and tuning in, I have been a a patient of Kinsey's for a while and I had a lot of misconceptions going into acupuncture. And one of the things that really startled me, one of the things that happened was I got really emotional one during one session on the table. I had all the acupuncture needles in and I just felt this overwhelming sense of like release. And it was in the form of tears, like streaming down my face. What is that? You know, I, I can't say, but emotions have to go somewhere. Everything has an energy. Everything has a frequency. Like that's not just me sounding weird. That's, I mean, physics has proved that a long time ago. (laughs) So that being said, I mean, I feel like we store certain emotions. I mean, when people usually call it stress and say, I keep it in my neck and shoulders. And then let's say, you know, with acupuncture that we get things moving and, and I've got a metaphor for that kind of like, uh, in some way sense, like your energy is blocked or it gets mm-hmm. and kind of like a log jam in a river. And so if the rivers and streams are your meridians and all of a sudden we get that free flowing, sometimes that's a release. And so you know, whether we repress emotions or hold it back, I mean, 
it's got to go somewhere, whether it's in your body. And I love when people have those emotional releases on the table because it's part of the healing process. Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a great way to put it. I love all of your visuals. It makes it so much easier for me to like, oh yeah, that makes absolute sense that that would happen. Mm-hmm. So what, so what is acupuncture? Just a bunch of needles? Like, you know, what really, what is it? That's such a loaded question because you can Google that and you get so many different answers. And so oftentimes I'll tell people just Google it and whatever one makes the most sense to you, go with it. Um, because some of them can be a little esoteric. So if you're into that, great. Um, if you want more of a Western explanation, there's those too. But um, acupuncture is a form of healing. It's been around for over 3,000 years. So which one's really the alternative medicine? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I love that. <laughs> All kidding aside. Um, it's, it, you know, so the actual process of acupuncture is the insertion of fine hair thin needles. So we're not talking about hypodermic needles that you get a shot. They're just really thin needles that go in the body about the thickness of a strand of a hair. And so they go in the body and basically creates a little pseudo injury. So kind of like, you know, you get a scratch. It's not like we have to tell our body to heal itself. It naturally activates the healing process and brings in, you know, the blood clotting factors to stop bleeding and sends the white blood cells to fight off infection, and then it forms a scab and heals. So let's say we put in an acupuncture needle. It creates that same sort of um, pseudo-injury, you know, not to the extent of a scratch, but it activates the healing process. And so with that healing process, it brings in the body's natural anti-inflammatories, so we're not taking medication to keep inflammation down, um, and painkillers for that area to heal. And so... Um, that's a little bit more of a Western explanation of it. And if you want to look more Eastern, I mean, it gets your energy moving, the chi flowing. So when things are moving as they should, healing should occur naturally. What is chi? Oh boy. <laughs> Am I asking all like the, the translated as energy? But if you okay. think of like a Chinese symbol, like a picture's worth a thousand words, but basically it's like the driving, the motive force, um, like let's use the stomach meridian for example the chi of the stomach meridian goes down Mm -hmm. makes sense you know you eat something it goes down to your stomach through your intestines in and out Mm -hmm. um so chi can get stagnant or you can have rebellious chi and there's lots of other things that can happen so let's say you know we just had thanksgiving we overeat Mm -hmm. we can get stagnation there right Um, what happens when things stagnate is energy can go in the opposite direction so using the stomach meridian again um, you can get hiccups, nausea, vomiting, that's stomach chi going in the wrong direction. So I feel like when you explain it like that, it, it makes a little bit more sense. So each meridian kind of has certain directions and it can affect other meridians as well. Um, but the chi is just kind of the energy and where it flows and it's connected to blood and fluid and, and everything in the body. Um, low energy, low chi. <laughs> so it's not just positive. It can be like kind of off. Your chi can be off. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just like we all have those days where we feel off, we feel groggy, foggy headed, not as quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's our chi kind of not moving as well. And then there's days where we're on it and things are a little more balanced that can be described as, you know, more kind of in a harmonious state with your chi. Yeah. Okay. So I, I love the, the fact that it's a pseudo injury it makes so much sense. It activates the natural healing in the yeah. body. So that would mean 
you would come to acupuncture for injury, pain relief. What are some of the other benefits? What, what, why do people come to you for acupuncture? <laughs> no, that's a great question because it's an interesting time with acupuncture because a lot of people think to come in for a pain related mm-hmm. incident, um, which makes sense because a lot of the insurance companies, that's what they'll pay for neck pain, back pain, so on and so forth. They'll also pay for, um, let's say nausea. So whether it's pregnancy induced or somebody is going through chemotherapy and they're having nausea, um, that's been shown to be very effective as far as treatment goes. And so those are kind of the things that the Western world recognizes. But really what I tell people is anything that you would go to a Western practitioner for, somebody has probably been to an acupuncturist for. So that being said, um, I see a lot of anxiety, depression, um, allergies, colds, coughs, um, sleep disorders. Ooh, digestion is a big one. And, you know, speaking of the stomach, and IBS is something that's not entirely treated all that well in, in Western medicine, but there's a lot of great things that acupuncture can do for it. And again, it's just a different way of looking at the body in a different lens, you know, than, than Western medicine. But those are, those are big ones. Um, Gosh, infertility issues. There's acupuncturists that specialize in that cramping and PMS type symptoms, period pain, menopausal, hot flashes. Wow. The list goes on. I mean, albeit if you break your bone or you're having a heart attack, don't come see me. <laughs> right. Okay. You want to go elsewhere, emergency type situations, because it's certainly not going to fix a structural issue, but can it help with pain related to that structural issue? Sure. Absolutely. But yeah, there's, and there's reasons why acupuncture won't work. And one of them, like I said, is structural issues. Um, It's not going to fix a broken bone, you know, or change your bone structure or anything Mm -hmm. like that to cause things to do different, different things. And then patient compliance, you know, if they're only coming once every two months, that's, it's kind of like exercising once every two months. Okay. Pounds, you know, you got to build the platform a little bit there and then, you know, doing too much too soon can cause acupuncture not to work. So let's do great after treatment and then you go run a marathon and then you're not so great anymore. Well, that one's obvious. <laughs> so is there any, any reason other than the breaking the bone and that sort of thing that acupuncture wouldn't be safe for someone? Oh, I, you know, pregnancy is always kind of like the hot topic. Um, it's, it's during pregnancy, but there's certain points that you definitely wouldn't want to do. Um, but there are points that you can do at the end of pregnancy. If you're trying to induce labor, you just don't want to do them, you know, in the first couple trimesters. Beginning of the third. Um, so that would be one. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm like drawing a blank right now, but you know, if somebody has like a bleeding emergency type situation, yeah. okay. eggs, I guess would be the main um, indicator. You know, if, if somebody comes in and they're showing signs of a heart condition or asthma attack. I mean, I would send them to the, to the ER, the doctor, depending on the severity. Okay. But otherwise, really, if there's something going on with the body, it's most likely been acupuncture has been used at some point to treat it. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Let's talk about the misconceptions of acupuncture because I'm sure there are tons. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. I hear it all. I mean, whether they say it to my face or not, that's a different, that's yeah. a ball game. But um, yeah, so ooh, when I was first in acupuncture school, I got asked if I was a witch. 
Oh my, what? That's the first misconception is no, like I didn't go to Hogwarts for three years. Right. right. Um, but all kidding aside, I mean, there's usually kind of, you know, and I'm not bashing religious connotations whatsoever, but sometimes there's a fear with that, or it's just hearsay, you know, oh, this person said that it was fake and doesn't work. And well, there's several people that it works for, but like anything medically related, there's certain things that don't work. I mean, surgery included from a Western perspective, but, um, so that's kind of a misconception is actually, I think what drives the misconception is just not knowing anything about it, you know, and, and making their own assumptions. Um, so I like to educate people and kind of tell them what I know, hopefully it helps, but, um, so yeah, aside from just people, a little bit of ignorance, (laughs) yeah, the topic, some people just have their mindset already and they're not going to try it. And I'm, I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince them, you know, but no, if- absolutely. Things that come to my mind is like, Oh my gosh, it, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are afraid of the pain aspect. Um, but I feel like most of the time when I, when I have somebody that is a little bit needle phobic and they mm-hmm. made the step to come in, which is awesome. I try to trick them a little bit and I'm sure I've done it on YouTube. Yeah. Especially that first needle, I'll I'll touch other areas and pop it in and be like, so how'd that feel? And they didn't even know I did it. <laughs> right. right. So it doesn't hurt. Okay. What are and then the other misconception is that it's witchcraft or woo-woo or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other big ones that you run into that you're like, well, that that's not necessarily true. Yeah, I just think people not knowing about it, people being afraid that it's gonna be super painful, which you have to understand when you when you get it, there's sensations and then there's pain, but it's never like gut wrenching. I got to get out of here. Pain. It's like oh, there's a little ache or that felt a little electrical. Um, and it's I think if anything, it's more startling for the people when they feel those type of things. Um, granted, we do have nerves and stuff, so those can you know be agitated from time to time, but it's not like fly off the table type of sensation. Right, it's right. like yeah, that doesn't feel quite right. Worst case scenario, I take it out. Um, so that's not as scary as what people think, but you know, they tend to kind of work it up in their heads a little bit, but totally, totally. Yeah. That's the, I would agree. It's like the only sensation that I, and I like that you differentiated pain from sensation because really actually the ache is just a sensation. It really didn't hurt. It was just different, right? Yeah. The couple times that I felt that ache and it wasn't every single time. The other thing that really startled me was when you hit it in my hand. Now, yeah. that, that's the chi? Yeah. So when you get those sensations, the idea is that's the chi arriving to that area. Yeah. It doesn't happen all the time. I mean, sometimes I try to get that strong reaction just to activate it. And especially if you have any type of pain going on, that one kind of around your thumb that I did is is indicated for most pain-related issues. But yeah, that, that's the theory behind it is that's the chi arriving to that area and activating that point. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was, it was startling, but you were like, we got it. I was like, Oh my gosh, that was kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) So I know you do facials. What, what would be the benefit of doing acupacial? Oh, I love facial work. Um, so a lot of benefits with the facials. So facial rejuvenation treatments are really cool. They're, um, they're a natural way to, minimize fine lines and wrinkles or whatever, um, puffiness, age spots, um, acne. There's a lot of different techniques that I can use along with tools. So there's acupuncture needles, but there's also the micro, micro 
micro rollers and um, all sorts of fun stuff. Masks, jade rollers, gua sha, facial cupping. And so the whole idea there is anytime, let's, let's talk about wrinkles. So anytime you needle into a wrinkle in a particular way, it's an advanced form of needling that we have to learn to activate. Um, yeah. So that being said, like when you, when you stick it into the actual wrinkle, it helps activate the elastin and collagen um, production in the skin. And so it helps kind of plump up that area, bringing better blood flow. Um, so maybe it's like tightness in the muscles that are causing it. Maybe it's dehydration. So anytime you bring better blood flow to the area, it stimulates that elastin and collagen production. Um, the downside to it, I mean, there's, yeah, it can cause some bruising depending on where we hit. Um, but really like it, it takes time. So it's not, it's not like Botox where you can see the, the immediate effect after a treatment. And if you get Botox, great. Like I'm, I'm not dissing it by any means, but it's a slower process because we're working with the body's natural healing mechanisms. So, and the cell cycles and the cell cycles can take about 90 days or so to rejuvenate and, and kind of turn around there. And so usually I try to get people on a kind of six, excuse me, not six months, but three month plan coming in about once a week for it, just to kind of have that platform and to stimulate the collagen and elastin. Because like my metaphor before, if you just do it once, great and be relaxed, but you want to keep training your body to stimulate and rebuild that collagen. And so I like to get people on about a three month course coming in about once a week. That's exactly where I was going to go next with the conversation is the frequency with anything. Cause I did, I didn't realize that it really is something like exercise where if you do it once, it's, it's just not going to take, you're training your body to mm-hmm to heal itself, I would imagine. So the three month plan, one time a week for facial, what about, what about pain? What would you recommend for like, let's say, let's go with that neck and shoulder pain that you were kind of talking about. What pain would you put someone on? Okay. So pain, there can be acute pain and there can be chronic pain. So if it's something acute, meaning we woke up with a stick, stiff neck, Mm -hmm. you certainly don't need to be on like a two month plan for that. (laughs) I would say, you know, hopefully within one visit, you can kind of knock it loose a little bit, two to three visits, um, if you really want to get aggressive with it. But yeah, something that just came on um, fairly quick like that, it's not going to take that long to take care of. I mean, it's going to naturally get better on its own. But if you want to kind of nudge it a little quicker, I would say two or three treatments over, you know, two weeks. And but everybody's different, you know, meaning they're healing, there's really not a textbook answer. So some people can feel great and better after one treatment. Other people might need a couple treatments. But if we're talking about more chronic pain, um, it's going to take longer. So the longer you've had something, the longer it, it might hypothetically take to heal, which, which makes sense. I mean, it's not going to go away overnight. But so let's say it just depends on how severe it is. So if it's, you know, somebody's having severe back pain for the past year, um, yeah, they might need to come in two, three times a week for a few weeks and then start to spread treatments out. So you probably want to get a little bit more aggressive with your treatment approach at first. Okay. We don't want people to be reliant on coming into me to feel better. Yeah. That's where I want to train them to, you know, give them the right tools and things to do, whether it's heat, um, wash on themselves. Uh, some people even do cupping on themselves in between treatments and that's all good and well, but I would say as far as frequency of long-term, um, you know, they might be in for a few months, depending on how long that they've had it. More frequent treatments at first, and then as the 
the pain starts to go away and that, that feel good sensation is lasting longer than spread out the treatments. But I essentially, I don't want somebody to come in once for pain and then not see them for two months. And then they come back and the pain's just right back where it was. You kind of want to stay ahead of the curve and not start at square one every time. Absolutely. So what kind of homework do you give to your clients in between sessions? Um, depends on what they're coming in for. Uh, a lot of it's kind of heat and ice. Well, I don't do a ton of ice to be honest for a lot of different reasons, but if ice is the only thing that makes them feel better, got it. Uh, but usually it's heat related. Uh, whether they have creams, um, essential oils, people are kind of into what they're into and, and oftentimes they know what makes them feel better, but let's say a takeaway, um, maybe wash on themselves, which is like a scraping mechanism to help move blood. Uh, I do a lot on back, neck and shoulders, kind of those areas that get stiff and stagnant. And so that might be a take home thing. Um, if they're having, let's say bowel issues, I might give them some dietary adjustments and just yeah, trying to get people to relax, I think is half the battle (laughs) or exercise or, you know, between all of that, those are kind of big ones. Even some patent herbs I might send someone home with if they're starting to catch something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so I think, you know, one of the biggest things for me is when I was talking about seeing my, my therapist is Mm -hmm. he was like, you're so wound up and I didn't feel it because I had lived in this state for so long. Right. It becomes so normal for me to be stressed out. I didn't even know that I was, I was like operating at such a crazy high stress level that it was just normal. And so now a couple years later, it's like, I, I can feel myself starting to wind up again and really take care of it before. Yeah. So what would you say to the old me, right? The me that didn't even know she wasn't relaxed, right? I would, I would do all the things to relax thinking that by doing more, it was going to relax me. Like, facial massage, all the things that actually stressed me out more to have all these appointments mm-hmm. instead of just like coming down. So what would you, what advice would you give to someone who's operating at that level to relax? Well, I think that that's a great start is to take time for yourself, but here's, here's my take on stress. I think it's chemical, emotional, physical. I don't think it's just like I have a lot going on and had a bad day. I think that there's different ways to stress your body. And I think in this society, culture, whatever you want to call it, I think that we constantly live in that state. So let's talk chemical stress, what we're eating, smoking, drinking, exposed to. Um, that causes a stress response in your body. And when I'm talking about the stress response, I'm talking about the HPA access in Western medicine. So hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal glands, stress. Mm-hmm. all the hormones that kick in for that. So you could stress your body chemically, which we all do, <laughs> um, emotionally. So let's say we had a rough day, a patient, a client's really mad at you, they yelled at you. So yeah, that, that's creating that same HPA, putting in the stress hormones. Um, but not only that, we're going home and we're telling our significant others or our friends about what happened that day. Boom, stress modes turn on again, or we're thinking about it. Um, so chemical, emotional, physical stress. So under exercise, over exercise, you know, doing too much in our body. I think that that puts stress on our body and what's too much for me might not be enough for somebody else. And so knowing your limits and your balance as far as what makes you feel good. And so those are just 
very few examples. I mean, I'm sure you can fill in the blanks on other ones, but when we constantly live in those states, well, let's add something to that. And then we go home and we watch like CSI if your kids are playing video games and there's, (laughs) there's lots of stuff coming at us. I think that that's all stress. And so most of us, I would say it's probably fair to say that we're kind of in a stress state. I mean, maybe 90% of our time, I don't know what you're dreaming about. So I think that doing things and maybe recognizing things that keep your body in that sympathetic nervous system, that's stress or the parasympathetic, which is, you know, kind of the rest and digest versus the sympathetic fight or flight. I think that we need to learn to do more things to engage in that. And that's where I'm a big advocate of, um, what does it for me is yoga, you know, deep breathing. It doesn't have to be anything crazy reading. Um, some people get it from knitting, uh, acupuncture, facial massage, like you mentioned, that's all good because I feel like it engages that parasympathetic nervous system. That's why we feel good when we're done is because we spend time in that world. And I think that we need to do more things that engage in that and take out more things in our lives that don't serve us or make us happy. Yes. Agreed. Uh, (laughs) A thousand percent agreed. And I love that you just said even just deep breathing, because I think, you know, we think, oh my gosh, now I have to meditate for, you know, a half hour every single day. And then we put the pressure of meditation or like sitting in calm. And instead we could just take a couple deep breaths in the car. Yeah. Exactly. Right? It doesn't have to be much. And I tell people to find what works for them, whether it's hiking. Um, I don't know, you know, you got to find what works for you and there's tons of stuff out there. Um, but it's going to be different from ever for everyone, you know, exercise is big for people, but you know, again, the fine line between enough and not enough exercise can cause stress on the body. So yeah, no, I think, I think it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Process. Cause I don't think the body can heal when we're stressed. And if we're stressed 90% of the time, oh, yikes, we really have to put ourselves yeah. in a position where we can calm down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I love you. I love what you're doing. I love acupuncture. What would you say to someone who's a little bit curious like about, about this? Maybe they're like, oh, maybe I should give that a try. What would you suggest to someone who's just, just thinking about it right now? Well, it's that simple. Give it a try. Yep. <laughs> you, you can't make changes if you don't try or do things out of your comfort zone. Because if you're always, I mean, it's that same. If you always do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. And so I think that the body needs change. It needs constant stimulus. You know, you need to do things differently. You need to move differently every day um, to get responses. Because otherwise we get stagnant and your body responds to the forces and demands you put on it. So if you don't make those changes and you don't try new things, whether it's chiropractic, acupuncture, whatever it may be, there's no way of doing knowing, but I mean, you could potentially just kind of stay right where you're at. Right. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Yeah. And people are so surprised how they feel afterwards. You know, it's, they feel great. And it was so funny when I was at the yoga studio, a lot of the front desk staff hadn't had acupuncture, but they would, um, see how the patients were when they came in versus how they came out. And it really kind of shed a light on, wow, these people look really relaxed. (laughs) It's hard to wrap your head around how sticky needles in someone can make them relax, but it does. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love just like the uh, idea of just, it gets things flowing in a way that we might've had that log jam Mm -hmm. before. 
before. Okay. So, um, thank you so much. How can, uh, our followers, our listeners find you? I am on some social media, um, outlets. I'm on Facebook and that's Accu-Yoga, A-C-U-Y-O-G-A. And then Instagram is Accu underscore yoga. Um, and then, yeah, I also have a website, www.accuyogaNW as in Northwest.com. And so that you can find services and pricing and insurances that I, I am a provider for or accept, um, as well as other just general information contact if you'd like to get a hold of me. Awesome. I will make sure to put all of that in the show notes. And before we wrap up, I'm curious, what does living on purpose mean to you? I've been really thinking about this question and I've come up with like 20 different answers, but I, I think it's kind of knowing yourself and making those decisions as you go that helps support the direction that you're heading in. And it doesn't mean that it can't change, but having something to stand for and having something to wake up for and knowing that it's not all going to be, you know, sunshine and roses all the time and knowing how to adapt and kind of go with the flow on things and not swim against the current and do things for yourself that makes you happy as well as everybody. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Wake up with something to stand for and and go with the flow. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Kinsey. This was amazing. And I'm definitely going to like hop on and book more appointments. (laughs) Good. I miss you. I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah, you are so welcome. Anytime. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Living on Purpose podcast. It has been a blast hanging out with you. If you loved this week's episode, please hit that subscribe button. That way you won't miss any future goodness we throw your way. Craving community and connection with like-minded badass women? Feel free to join us in the Living on Purpose Facebook group. And of course, the best gift that you could possibly give is an honest review on iTunes. All right, that's it. Until next time always keep living on purpose.